Red Sox trailing 5-1, to one and Poppy gets in. And the big right-hander, Benoit, delivers. Swing and a high deep drive in the right field. That one's stalled to the right. Hunter on the move, racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. Do I hear number eight? Ten years later, from April 1986, on September 1996, Roger Clemens does it again. Well, you saw baseball history. 20 strikeout ties his own Major League record. All right, we're back. It is a brand new episode of the Obstructed View Red Sox podcast. I am... uh, joined by all of our regular co-hosts um i'm chris henrick joined by miggy steve and jamie gentlemen how are you tonight doing good life's good tomorrow miggy we can actually kind of hear you i know this is is progress maybe difficulties out here yeah, some technical difficulties in Miggy's end. So if you're listening and it sounds like he has the hiccups, we'll do our the best we can to kind of mute him at times, but um, <laughs> kind of falls under the category of it is what it is. So, gentlemen, get right into it. The Red Sox today had until 5 o'clock to uh, protect prospects on the 40-man roster ahead of the Rule 5 draft in December. They've done that. They've protected five players. Um, Sedana Rafaela, David Hamilton, Chris Murphy, Brandon Walter, and William Abreu. Correct. Yep. So, of those five, any surprises? Not really. I mean, I feel like. If yeah, maybe only Hamilton, but I feel like Rafaela, you knew Murphy's not that big of a surprise. Um, maybe Abreu a little bit because I feel like he didn't really hit tear the cover off the ball after the trade compared to Valdez. Um, so I'd say probably only Abreu and Hamilton just because other than stealing bases, Hamilton only hit like 240, 250. Well, Abreu hit 19 homers, he sneaked, he was like. Sneaky had some pop in his bat. Um, Steve, what were uh, what was your thoughts? Well, I mean, like I was saying before, I think David Hamilton was probably that guy for me. I mean, he seems like a glove first type with plus speed, obviously, which is a big asset in the majors off the bench, especially. So I can see why they might look at him in that sense of having a nice depth piece to uh, potentially be a big base stealing threat late in games. Um I'm a little surprised that they chose, you know, Hamilton and uh, Abreu over a guy like Thad Ward, who has shown, you know, potential as a uh, a good arm, potentially out of that that bullpen that we know needs a lot of work. So, so I actually want to throw this out at you guys in regards to Thad Ward because that kind of seems to be the consensus. A lot of Red Sox, um, really, from a fan standpoint. 
are questioning why he wasn't added. I have to wonder, obviously, you know, his injury history and just coming back has to be part of the reason he wasn't protected. I'm wondering, though, does a team look at him and maybe hope he has a little Garrett Whitlock in him? Coming off of Tommy John, he's got good stuff. I'm I'm wondering if, you know, Boston may have possibly protected a guy like Darwin is uh Darwinis and Hernandez or even Ryan Brazier, they could have designated them for assignment today and and protected Thad Ward from possibly getting plucked by, you know, a team that again that could say, Hey, look, does this dude have a little Garrett Whitlock in him? Yeah, I mean I can see a team like the Pirates or someone who needs bullpen help. It's kind of saying like what you're saying, it's kind of taking a chance and see if you know what happens because worst case scenario. They have to return them if it doesn't work out. If it works out, you got, you know, this a stud prospect possibly. Yeah, it really goes to show. I mean, some of these guys that we've seen in the past, we lost Maggie. Some of these guys that we've seen in the past um, that have been Rule Five selections have really panned out. Whereas you got guys who kind of just tread water for a while, get returned. Ultimately, I mean. Those two people that I pinpointed that you you kind of agreed with me there, you two of you, um, Abreu and Hamilton, in my opinion, I feel like those guys are a little less likely to be uh, left, you know, picked up where they unprotected. So, I mean, there's other guys who are a little more intriguing in the system who were, you know, definitely up for up for the uh, debate of being selected by another team and Mickey's back. <laughs> so I would say with Hamilton, the bases, the new bases next year, I think maybe played a part in that. You have a guy that, that, that swipes 70 bags. Again, he's good defensively. A couple of years back, the Tigers took, um, oh my God, I just had his name up too. And I just lowered the screen. Uh, killed you. Thank you. They, they, they took him in the rule five draft. He had, you know, and that was a player. Had a really good year um, that first year. He didn't really have so much of a good year last year. Um, but but then on the flip side, though, a team could take Devil Hamilton and he could be Jonathan Aruz, who in his first season with the Red Sox, they got lucky that it was a 60-game season to just kind of stash him on the roster. And he really didn't do much in the, the respect of anything with his bat. He hadn't played above double A at all in his in his major league in his professional baseball career up until that point of playing with the Red Sox. So there is this gamble. Um, I also do feel that the Rule Five draft is like it's now becoming like this massive, you know, I think it's an overhyped draft. Because again, if you like just go back, if you get some free time, even like you guys and people who are gonna listen. Just look at the history of like different Rule Five picks. Not a lot of these players truly pan out. Garrett Whitlock, exception to the rule. Another guy who was a Rule Five draft pick was Johan Santana. Like that's a risk, like a complete exception to the rule. Like that dude came out of nowhere, right? So that will happen. You'll have those guys that'll 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 pan out, but then you'll have guys that'll you'll look and you'll be like, oh, thirty people were drafted and, and two of them remain on a big league roster. Yeah, I think you said perfect. 
I was just going to say, ultimately, I think the Rule 5 draft is a little bit overhyped. I think perhaps the perception could be a little flawed at this point in time for Boston fans because of the success that Boston had with Whitlock. I mean, like, to your point, Chris, yeah, you got your occasional gems, Whitlock being one of them, and then you said Johan Santana. That's another huge W. You could even go on the record. There's even Shane Victorino is another guy who's a Rule 5 pick. Yeah. All right. Didn't mean yeah, to cut you off, Jamie. <laughs> no, you good. I mean, I agree with you both. It's very rare that the guys that are picked in this draft actually pan out to be Garrett Wicklocks or go on to have these all-star careers. I feel like it's mostly for, you know, rebuilding teams, trying to find lightning, a bo- lightning in a bottle, maybe getting a chance at some prospects that usually wouldn't without having to make a deal. Uh, but just like, like you guys said, these drafts never – you, know, you usually never find a franchise player, you know, franchise starter or first baseman um, by picking the Rule 5 draft. You know, now that I say that, I think it's been, you know, it's like overhyped. I also think, though, that the game and the way that the rosters are being built is changing. You know what I mean? Like the MLB draft now is, you know, it's people want to watch it. You know, it's nothing like what it used to be. It's not the NFL draft. But people want to watch it. They're interested in who their, you know, their teams are going to select. Um, I think fans are a little bit more in tune each of the last couple of years. Um, and if you look at even just, you know, today we're recording on a Tuesday. Um, all the basically flurry of action between the trades that went down with some clubs and even some of the players who were designated for assignment. I think teams are now at the point where they're they can go into the Rule Five draft. They can pluck a player an arm and there's little risk and they can move on from a guy that's going to make two, two and a half million dollars and not have to worry about that and, and hope that this, you know, a kid will work out at the league minimum. I think the way that baseball, there's going to be a shift and we'll see. I mean, if this rule five draft pans out and there's a few players that come out of it, you know, the rule five draft is going to, you know, it's going to be something of significant importance because in years past, it just, it's been just a random draft. Yeah. yeah. What's funny is, um, yeah, I was looking at, a, I think it was the 2020 ranking for Red Sox uh, top prospects. And one of the guys who was, I think he was regarded maybe number three or four, maybe five. I think it was five actually was uh, a guy, Gilberto Jimenez, who everybody was going crazy about. Sounds like a rock. No, like listed in like the twenties. To get started, download the Google Home app on a phone or tablet. Oh, oh whoa! <laughs> um, so my TV we are now uh, sponsored by Google. Great. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, if you look <laughs> at though, I think it's a byproduct of two things. One, the Red Sox system is dramatically better um, since 2020, and but again, though, it does go to show you that you know these players, they're hyped to the moon, especially your team. You know what I mean? Like your team, your prospects are going to be the next big thing. You know what I mean? And that's just how it's always going to be. Um, but it goes to show you though that Jimenez is a is a player that that again just he's sunk right down within the rankings. I think it's I think that's in my opinion, dog um, is a depressed asset. They should have moved him years ago in a deal. Well, yeah, no. I mean, if you told me if you told me two years ago that he would be unprotected on the forty man off the forty man today, I would find that absurd you know because everybody was going crazy thinking about this guy and um 
you know, furthermore, when it comes to rule five and everything like that, you see these guys getting protected and whatnot. The grand scheme of things is they're all prospects. And it really makes you wonder how many of these guys are truly untouchable in trade scenarios. I mean, you know, Brandon Walter, Chris Murphy, you know, it's it's good to see that the Red Sox are clearly valuing, uh, valuing these two players that possibly are going to, you know, be an, an impact to the roster maybe next year, um, whether it's middle of the year or towards the end. Um, Abreu, I mean, we're going to have to kind of see, you know what I mean? I hope it's not one of those where, hey, we protected Abreu so that way we don't lose him. And then there's that backlash of, you know, hey, we got a guy in the Christian Vasquez deal and now he's gone. Um, I doubt that's the case, but every once in a while you do have to play devil's advocate. Um, you know, um, I, 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 for me, David Hamilton, I put it on the Substack a couple of days ago on whether or not the Red Sox should protect him. Um, I like that they protected him. I think that he has been a surprise out of that Hunter Renfro deal. Um, I think too, it puts a little bit of more legitimacy on that trade. Because now one of those players is protected, means the Red Sox think extremely highly of him. And, you know, we're probably going to get to see him at the AAA level next year. And if he can duplicate similar stats like he did in AA, um, maybe, just maybe for like a small five-minute period, fans will be like, oh, maybe we actually got something back in that deal. But um, who knows? Well, a lot of those guys that got protected were Heim guys too. I mean, I think Walter might have been – Dombrowski's last draft. I think he was 2019, if I'm not mistaken. I can't confirm on Murphy. But Hamilton, back. even Valdez, who was added before those additional five today, was added a few days ago, um, was another Bloom era guy they got in the trade. It almost seems like they want to protect these guys because they don't want to feel like they gave them, you know, the other team something for nothing. Were they to lose somebody? I mean, there's that, but I also too, I just think that they've. But obviously, they are evaluating talent overall, so they know what they have, and they're assessing every every option, every player in their system, deeming certain people uh, worthier than others to, uh, you know, risk taking the loss. So, those injuries are definitely uh, what's holding a guy like Thaddeus Ward back from being added onto that forty man. I mean, you definitely want a guy with a badass name like that on your team, too, by the way. This is true. Thaddeus. <laughs> so speaking of guys that um, are on a roster that may not should – that should, probably should not be on a roster anymore is Ryan Brazier. So Ryan Brazier, to me, is baseball's version of a cat. He has more than nine lives. He somehow continues to just kind of squeak his way through – I don't know if like he's got dirt on the socks. I don't know what the the combination of what of what it is. And I was trying to think about this today. You know, I was trying to think about what is it about Ryan Brazier that the Boston Red Sox are so enamored with that they wouldn't trade him, they wouldn't designate him for assignment last year. Um, they've kept him on the forty man, and I mean we'll see what happens Friday because Friday is the non tender deadline, but. I just, I don't get it other than they just really think that he has electric stuff and that when he can put it together, he is a viable bullpen arm. But I, I don't know. I just, 
I don't understand why Ryan Brazier is a member of the Red Sox. So Miggy, if you can maybe tell us why you think that he's still a member of the Red Sox without telling me that he's a king. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> I'll tell you the, one of the reasons. One, you hinted at that we we're still going to have him. Uh, if he reaches that Friday tender day, obviously we can get rid of uh, you know, kind of away with that him anymore. Um, two, this man was second at in, in strikeouts on the season. You have other guys that you kept. Well, is it like Darwin's in and or yeah, of course, of course he's the same. Lid just fell in my cup. Uh, <laughs> you have other guys. You know, didn't post that post away Ray, than what you had. What, Steve? You sound like a damn robot, dude. Yeah. It is. It's unbearable. So right now. Pause Modern Warfare download, please. Right now, Mickey's been muted. Mickey is downloading a, uh, a video game in the middle of recording a podcast, and it literally sounds like he has the hiccups. So um, <laughs> I think what he was saying was, is that Ryan Brazier, in his opinion, has amazing stuff and should be a member of the Red Sox when in all actuality, he should be on, I don't know, the Rays or the A's or the Pirates or playing in South Korea. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think that there's a there's there's got to be a reason that they're holding on to the dude. I mean, I think they're just truly assessing all the options that they still have in this 40 man roster right now, and they're going to see what these dudes can, the younger guys specifically are capable of because they know that while Brazier's been god awful for quite some time, um, he's a veteran. He's been through some big big game situations, and they feel confident that he can miraculously somehow bounce back. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say that that's impossible, but I'm also not counting on it either. So I think when more options come along via free agency or trade, he's ultimately going to be a goner. But for now, I'm not sitting here like clawing my eyes out at the fact that he hasn't been taken off the roster yet. I'm not mad at it. I just think they're playing the patient game. And you got two dudes that you picked up off the waiver wire in October those are easy decisions. Cut, cut. See you later. Add the other two uh, new guys so, to the 40 man. Let me ask you, though, and this because I, I think we've devoted too much time to Ryan Brazier. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you, if if Thaddeus Ward is drafted by another team uh, at the Rule 5 draft, n- knowing that you could have cut ties with Ryan Brazier. Yes, I would have. <laughs> will I mean – there should be there should be some second guessing of Heim Bloom and his front office for keeping, especially too if they if they non tender Ryan Brazier Friday, and then in turn lose Thaddeus Ward in the Rule Five draft. Again, to me, that's a mismanagement of an asset, and he should be questioned, and he will be questioned. I mean, I can't specifically question him, but we will pose the question. <laughs> on social media, I to me that would be unacceptable. I agree or, with that. I... Or even keeping Hernandez on the roster. I'm and I'm sorry, then non-tendering him and then losing an arm. Because in my opinion, Hernandez, I don't need that that that's a player that should have been traded a long time ago, too. I don't know the what the fascination was because he throws hard. He could never harness his 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 stuff. 
I don't want to go on a rant. I'm saving it for later. So, uh, uh-huh. so. <laughs> true. Well, I feel like with Bridger, I don't think he makes it toward past Friday, in my opinion. Um, but I could also see them just keeping him to the point until they make moves and they have to cut someone because I do feel like he is one of the first players you've cut once you get in a roster crunch with other additions and whatnot. Yeah, I would there's, say, there's some non-tenders. I would say the last thing though on all of this though when it comes to the Rule 5 and all this nonsense I would have to believe that the front offices around the league are pretty in tune as to what these other teams are likely going to do and who they're likely going to target which might make sense as to why certain players are protected and certain players are not. I don't know if Brian Cashman got that memo in 2020, but maybe that's maybe teams have a pulse on that. I want to segue really quick to something. John Heyman has reported that if the Yankees lose out on Aaron Judge, they have checked in on the availability of Xander Bogarts. If Xander oh. Bogarts... <laughs> Where's pinstripes next season? Red I'll Sox Twitter will burn. I'll kill myself. Oh, that okay. would be that. You unmuted him at like the worst possible time. Yeah, you do what? Xander Bogarts going to the Yankees would be worse than Johnny Damon defecting because he wasn't homegrown. I would probably even go ahead and say, and I wasn't, I don't really know how this went down because I really didn't pay attention to baseball then, but. I would want to probably look it up. We'd probably be bigger than Wade Boggs leaving the Red Sox and going to the New York Yankees. And this would be bigger than Mookie Betts leaving and going to the Dodgers. If you lose Xander Bogarts, who is your unofficial captain to New York, I don't, I, I, I don't know how the, I don't know how the Red Sox navigate that from a public relations standpoint. If I mean, if that plays out like that, there's no way they can navigate that. It's just going to be chaos. And they're going to get rips on social media, every sports talk show. Um, probably divert deservedly so with that. And yeah, that's just, I feel like that is worst case scenario. Sanders signs with the Yankees and they can't figure something else. Like Phillies, I can live with a little bit. I'm still going to cry a little bit about it probably, but like Yankees, that's a whole nother. But if they don't sign Judge, they'll have the money. Like they don't give a contract to Judge, they're gonna have a lot of money to spend, and they're gonna go after guys like that. So, I mean, New York today, um, you know, they re-upped with Anthony Rizzo. It's a two-year deal that can go as high as fifty-one million. Um, where people were expecting him to go to possibly the Astros or, you know, another team. So, I don't know if if. I don't even want to read that tweet. I luckily did not see that tweet yet, and I'd like to keep it that way. Um, Neither have I. For the sake of Boston sanity and sports department, you know, their fans are going to go, for lack of better terms, ape shit, and it will not be good. Um, That being said, I will be logging off Twitter for the next month. (laughs) But... uh, I think that would be absolutely detrimental to the ego of Boston's franchise and to what this what this uh, front office is trying to accomplish here because they're really losing the trust of the fan base as we see 
with the Mookie trade and, you know, even people were questioning the Renfro deal too. I mean, geez. I mean, if, if you lose a guy like Bogarts to a team like the Yankees, I think things are just going to spiral downward and publicity is going to just, I think from a publicity standpoint, Red Sox front office know that they're going to have to top the offer that whatever, whatever Yankees Yankees might make in an offer is going to have to be topped because there's going to be a lot of upset, upset fans that will probably protest the team, not show up to games, not watch. And then they're going to take a, a net loss and it's just going to be an ugly situation for, uh, for them financially. Not in my opinion, plus. you know, there's like this huge little, there's like a, a, a triangle almost deck of cards. And if you lose a guy like Bogarts, the Yankees, that's just the starting of the crumbling the foundation. Triangle. Sure. Yeah, that triangle, whatever. What were you going to say, Miggy? Or what were you going to try to say? I don't know. We, tra- we can translate it for you. I was going to say, could you give us a translation? Just, <laughs> I don't know if I trust you to speak right now. I wouldn't. If, um, if that happens... In, and I'm going to just kind of give you in my opinion. I don't put that on Bloom if, if that happens. I put that solely on the shoulders of the owner of the Red Sox. Because you know full well that Scott Boris is going to go back to the Red Sox and say the Yankees have this as a number. You either need to be here or he's going. John Henry will have to make that. That's a John Henry decision right there. If John Henry, if Xander Bogarts is wearing pinstripes for the Yankees on opening day next year, the owner of the Boston Red Sox signed off on that happening. Yeah, decision like that comes down to Henry. You're right. That's not a Bloom decision. That's a Henry decision. That's ownership. Now, but also Bloom, the front office, they will deserve the criticism for letting it get to that point. I've said it before and I will say it again. It is not a secret to when your players are going to become a free agent. I can go on, I can go on baseball reference or a handful of other websites and I can see how much these players make. I can see how many options they have and I can see when their contracts are up. If I can see it, they know as well. So this offseason that's happening right now should never, ever happen again. No team should have five, six, seven players from their roster as free agents. And I'm also a true believer of like Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick has always said you should never be, you can never fear free agency, which is fine. This team, if they, if some of these players, especially Xander Bogarts, wears pinstripes next season, this team deserves everything it gets. This team deserves a 75, 60% filled opening day, people in the seats. This team deserves no one buying Nesson Plus. This, this team deserves a downward trend in attendance again. I, this team is going to this team is going to put themselves in a really really bad spot. Was that the rant? That wasn't no. The rant. no. Oh, oh lord. lord. Uh-oh. No. But I mean, 
you know, it's, I mean, it's kind of cool. We're getting some content in the middle of doing this. Now, granted, Boston Strong basically took the, the blip from Heyman's article. Um, that would just be, boy, they. Well, let's not worry about that until it happens. Um, I'm sure we go on to Twitter. It's going to be all kinds of debauchery. Speaking of that, in like nine minutes, too, Trump's going to go on TV and announce that he's probably running for president. So that's going to dominate as well. Um, So maybe people won't see that the Red Sox might lose out to the Yankees. My last perfect perfect PR moment. Yeah. Guys, swing that under. The Red Sox making a stupid trade the second that that dude opens his mouth would be the best time to do it. Um, all right. So there was a there was a tweet that came out earlier today from a Mets account um, that basically insinuated that the Mets have interest again, who wouldn't have interest in Rafael Devers, and that um, if indeed the Red Sox are not able to get a long term deal worked out, that the Mets should go out and acquire Rafael Devers. Then. I started to see numerous Red Sox fans who have been clamoring for him to sign an extension with the team come up with hypothetical traits. So let me ask you. I'm going to ask the three of you, and I'm going to ask the people who are listening. Why can't you make up your mind on what you want? I really have a tough time taking people seriously when for months all I'm reading is sign Xander, sign Raffi, sign Xander, Sign Raffi. Steve, sign Xander. Extend Raffi. Thank you. <laughs> and then you read one tweet from an account that does not have a paid for or unpaid for a blue check mark to say that the Mets are interested. And now we're coming up with Beatty and, and this prospect and that prospect and this guy here for de- what? No, stop it. Ooh, I have a trade proposal. Please. Okay, so the front office gives him as much money as he wants, and he doesn't go anywhere. Does that and work the for Sox everybody? Still get, still get to Grom. I like it. Yeah, yeah, that too, that too. That's a <laughs> nice little throw in. Without trading for anybody, look at that, boom. But no, I agree. I mean, I feel like the easy thing is to sign them, and to keep your franchise cornerstones and guys you've developed and won championship with both of them. Because that, you know, that seems too easy to just pull off, apparently. Um, and if the Mets wanted to trade for him, I just want to see what, like, the starting point of a proposal. Like, just play devil's advocate. I just want to see what, if a team calls the Red Sox about Devers right now, I just want to see what the Red Sox be like, all right, this is what we want. Because that would, I feel like that would also be just an insane package of a return if a team is bold enough to do that right now. I'm sure that there have been phone calls that have been fielded by Haim and O'Halloran and anybody else in saying like, Hey, you know, what's Rafa's availability. And they probably say he's not available. And then they say, well, you know, we were thinking maybe this, this, or this. I'm sure that's happened. I I just don't know. I I don't want to, again, I don't think anybody's untradeable ever, but to me, I don't see the value in trading the sure thing 
for lottery tickets. Every prospect is a lottery ticket. I I, I don't yeah. know. I, I just I don't see and there's rare occurrences where you know years ago Bartolo Colon went to the Expos and he was traded for a handful of uh for a handful of prospects and like one of the guys was Grady Sizemore, Cliff Lee, Brandon was, Phillips, Brandon Phillips, Lee Stevens, and Cliff Lee. It's a haul. Right. So <laughs> that panned out. You know, now they were they were good for Cleveland. Um I had Sizemore not gotten hurt, I think he would have, you know, I think his career would have been a lot different. Um obviously. Um so there are times where again the lottery ticket does work out. But then there are times that it just absolutely doesn't. I don't have these details in front of me. Go back and look at the Miggy Cabrera trade and look at the players the Tigers got back. I'm sorry, the Marlins got back. Was it Dante Willis in that trade too? Yeah, he was. He was also in that trade. And I genuinely can't think of any of the players that went back in that trade. Yeah. At all. (laughs) I feel like you said, Chris, you make a trade of that magnitude and you're betting on prospects to fill a hole of a franchise player like that, it usually never works out. Like these guys can look as good as they are in the minors. Um, but there always is that possibility that, you know, it's not a sure thing that they're going to turn to a star at the major league level. Ooh, God. I'm looking at the return right now, by the way, guys, for that trade. Burke, Burke, Freed, and Hop. Yeah, yeah. Great great name. Great name, though. Great name, not a great player. Serviceable at times, but not anything to write. That's a dime a dozen. That's Ryan Brazier. Cameron Mabin, Um, who became the equivalent of, like, a journeyman. He did. Yep. Andrew Miller. Frankie Dillard. He never panned out until Boston. You know, Andrew Miller is probably the one that enjoyed the the most success, then Cameron Mabin. Mike Rabello is I mean, whatever. And Frankie De La Cruz is probably working at, you know, the local subway. Like I just I, had subway for dinner and there was someone that looked like him. You know, like <laughs> Yeah, um, I, that that's that's the risk ultimately. But then it also makes you wonder, you know, on the other end, when you're looking at the farm system that Red Sox have right now, I mean, how many of those guys are really gonna be the next big thing? You know, it's worth it's. It, there's guys where where you are just almost certain are going to be impactful, and then there's other players who you just kind of sit there and you look back and you say, well, they're really they're looking really good down in what high A. And they're excelling at this level. And all of a sudden they get called up and they don't immediately set the world on fire and everybody's crapping on them. And, you know, there's like a mental aspect of the game too. I mean, that all plays into it ultimately, but I mean, there's just a lot of, there's just a lot of uh, different routes that these big name trades could, uh, could lead down the road to a disaster ultimately. If it turned out that they had to move him, this is what I would say to the Mets. I want your first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth best prospect in your system. If you can't do that, I don't wanna I don't even want to have a conversation. This is kind of sound like a package uh that, that the Nationals received for Soto, to be honest. Yeah. I just don't know what moves the needle for you. I mean nothing. 
I want him. I want him to stay in Boston. The, the number one, the number one ranked prospect on MLB Pipeline in all of baseball is Francisco Alvarez, who's with the Mets, and he's a catcher. He's twenty years old. So yeah, it would. Have, start, he would, it would have start. to be in that deal. The second best prospect in all of baseball is Gunnar Hander, uh, Gunnar Henderson, who is not who is with the Orioles, not going to be involved in in a trade. Then it's Corbin Carroll, who is one of the potential four that the Diamondbacks could deal, and I don't know why they would deal him. They would not deal him. I he's one of the four, but I don't know why they would. Read it on the Substack. Grayson Rodriguez, Anthony Volpe, like that. Like I'm looking at these lists. Like Marcelo Meyer is the seventh ranked prospect in LB pipeline. I'm looking at these names right now and they just don't move the needle when you have the sure thing right now. Especially when he's young too. He is yeah. 26 years old. 25, 26. You have the sure thing. It's not often when teams like when you have like a legitimate horse, you got to keep it. Because we're seeing right now, look at Tampa Bay. They have 26 little ponies. And what ends up happening? Yeah, they win 90 games. But just like us, they watch the parade from Tampa. Yep, exactly. Hey, speaking of Tampa, real quick little uh, little side piece. That slapdick prospect that uh, <laughs> that Blake Snell referred to. Remember that, that guy uh, in the... What, what trade was it? Uh, Tommy Pham. I think it was 2019. He called the guy a slapdick prospect and crapped on uh, Renfro. That guy was just traded to Miami. So I don't know. You know, Tampa Bay has this little that, their, their way of making these small trades that you never hear of the players, and then they're suddenly amazing. So They were busy. Like, they made three different deals to clear some roster spots. Yeah, I know. One of the uh, one of the slapdick prospects was one of them. <laughs> don't get me wrong; like their moves work, but they don't ultimately lead to them winning a World Series title. And all these moves that they're making right now is them trying to just restructure and reorganize the roster a little bit. They have some cash to spend, but who knows? Who knows? So, got um, your your bar your baro, um, yeah, he was non tendered. You know what? Yeah, I saw that. Guys, patience hard. That's the guy that uh, that seems like a Boston candidate. Speak. You know, another Rays guy who just got released was uh, Brendan McKay, and I know he hasn't pitched since yeah. 2019, but he's like a, a potential two-way player. I know he can't that... in 24 though. He's having Tommy John again. So he's, he's out for the next two years. Mm. Well, I. Imagine Tampa Bay will try to restructure his contract and keep him, but that'd be that'd be a cool little Paxton project right there for a guy with upside. Well, he would be. That's what we'll start calling that a Paxton project. (laughs) A Paxton project coming to Netflix. Um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I mean, a lot of news in just a handful of days. You know what I mean? And and we're not even at the non-tender deadline. It feels like that the um off season's getting off the ground just a smidge which is nice because it has snail space the last handful of years so hey let's not forget another big news avaldi uh, rejected the qo he did and he is allegedly still 
negotiating a multi-year deal with Boston, but I'm sure there's going to be plenty of callers now that he's officially off the books. And I'm kind of curious to see what might end up happening with that. If he does leave, where do the Red Sox pivot? I bet bet you the Red Sox don't really do anything from a roster standpoint until after the non-tender deadline. See who comes available. See who is a surprise DFA. Or, I'm sorry, non-tender. No, I agree. I feel like especially the volley too, he's a guy that I wasn't surprised he rejected it because he wants a multi-year deal. Um, I couldn't really be surprised it was like the Rizzo situation with how he denied it, and then they found common ground on a multi-year contract. Uh, but like Chris said, you know, the lot of moves are going to play out in the next 24 hours, and there's going to be a lot better. You're going to have a better scope of who's actually available Um which is going to make up for some interesting moves. And then we have the winter meetings in two weeks. So a lot of activity is about to happen in a short period of time. That's true. It's going to be interesting to see how things shakes, shakes out. <coughs> Jesus, how things shake out. Also, Miggy, the uh, the Miggy bot uh, wrote us a message because he's uncomfortable talking. He thinks that Nate will end up going to Houston, which – would not surprise me, to be honest. I could see Especially that. Especially if they lose Verlander. It could be a nice little guy to add to your rotation. I like that. I like that take, Miggy. You know, World Series champs adding in a nice veteran starter to the mix. Yep. Thank you, Miggy Bot. Miggy the mime. <laughs> All right. Well, that appears to be the episode. Uh, we cranked out a probably a good 45-minute show here tonight couple of housekeeping things please make sure that you head on over to apple Podcasts, hit the subscribe button you'll get the latest red Sox podcast if you subscribe to disruptive view as well as Sox specs red Sox podcast um you can get episodes such as the josh winkowski episode the steven nogasek episode which came out part two will be out very soon you can also check out um our latest Sox specs ones that it's we have a surprise interview coming up the week of thanksgiving really excited about that one and then uh we have a really cool guest this week as well and Uh, we have we have one tomorrow we do yes we have a really cool guest for tomorrow um we're going to be able to give you a little bit of uh some insights some behind the scenes insight on some stuff i don't want to give it away i never like to go too crazy with the teasers just in case something ends up happening and we can't end up linking up with that person please head on over to beyondthemonster.substack.com enter your email subscribe it is free you'll get all of our latest content all of our articles that is dropped um and also just you know it's very easy if you download the substack app because then you'll get a notification the second that an article is dropped and you can check out what we have to say so for the uh for the guys on the podcast, thank you for tuning in. Back soon. Peace.